Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are, you know, we're hearing it this morning, you are doing a work. You are doing a work. And God, I just pray that we would be open to the work that you are doing in us this morning as Andrew says the message. We thank you that your words are not wasted, that they are, they are true and that they are necessary and that they, they hit where they need to. So God, will we be open and sensitive to where your words are touching us this morning? that we might come in agreement with the work that you are doing, that we might walk out the work that you have for us today and for the week and for leading and for moving forward. God, we just pray for Andrew. We just pray that you would um, release his spirit and his heart to speak um, and that you would remove any distractions or any thoughts that are, that are coming to kind of sabotage him this morning. We just pray and thank you that you have anointed him and blessed him for this moment to share this message. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited that there's at least three people excited for the message this morning. <laughs> I actually am excited. And if you know me, I'm not the guy that you come and tell good news to. Could go, oh, that's good. Like, I'm just not excitable. And my person, Catherine's nodding. There's a number of people nodding. I'm the guy, if you've got really bad news, come and tell me that because I won't overreact. Right? So tell me your bad news. I really want to hear your good news, but I've had to try and push myself to celebrate. I'm not a celebrator, um, but I'm genuinely excited this morning. And I'm really, so I think it must be God, right? It's like, I'm not creative either. So if I ever do anything creative, I go, oh, Holy Spirit, you're so awesome. Because I knew it wasn't me, right? Um, so I'm genuinely excited this morning. and I'm excited about next week. I just feel like it's going to be a tipping point in what God's doing here. Like our momentum, covered kind of smashed us around a bit in a whole bunch of ways we're still recovering financially especially from uh, our family store which is going great guns um, but it also just smashed the momentum of the church and if you've ever been in any kind of leadership trying to do anything without momentum is hard work and I'm a bit lazy so I much prefer to do things with momentum because everything just falls into place without momentum everything falls out of place and it's just like pushing a wheelbarrow with no front wheel on it if you have tried that so I'm um, I'm generally excited about what God's doing. And I totally believe stuff like we've shared in testimony time, that God's doing stuff, like he's up to stuff. And um, he's always doing something. And um, so I'm interested, I'm excited about what he's doing and going to do. Anyway, that's my excitement. Um, this morning, in preparing this message, I thought about when I gave my heart to God. I was nine years old and I reflected on the number of people that were involved in that. Firstly, my parents, who went to church and then took me there um, from probably when I was a baby. Um, but that didn't mean I was a Christian. Like, I had this weird fear of death when I was probably five years old. I used to worry about dying when I was going to sleep at night when I was five. And that left me when I became a Christian at nine, praise God. But I was thinking of all the people. Um, the other one was a Salvation Army officer who used to come in little old crotchety guy he probably wasn't that old but this is a kid's memory and he used to you know come into Sunday school every month and when he came I used to freak out because for a number of months when he'd give he'd give a little gospel to share about the gospel what Jesus did how we give our lives to him and then he'd invite us to give our life to Jesus and the reason why I freaked out every time he'd come in was because when he gave that appeal I'd start to get emotional I was nine years old I had no idea what was going on I didn't know back then God was messing with me. He was softening my heart. So there was my parents, there was the Salvation Army officer, 
And then one day sitting in big church, you think giving your heart to Jesus in Sunday school is scary. We're in big church with about 100 people. And at the end of the service, he gives an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus then. And I just, I'm a basket case emotionally. And my auntie, I used to sit with my auntie. Don't know why. Mum was all right. But I sat with my auntie. We had a good bond. And auntie took me, he said, do you want to go down the front? I didn't know what I needed or what I wanted. And she took me down the front and I gave my heart to Jesus. And my life changed. My life changed. I could swear better than a tradesman at the age of seven. Just a gift, right? (laughs) Just a gift. I don't know where I got it from. Probably from my mates at school. But when I was nine, I actually wanted to stop swearing. I gave my heart to Jesus. I want to clean my mouth up. Jesus, clean up my mouth. Hey? So this morning, I want us to think about, um, and we've heard that from Marty this morning as well, that don't underestimate the power of invitation. The number of people, my, my parents, the core officer, my auntie, and there's others who, through invitation, helped me to get into a place where I could give my heart to Jesus. And I want us to think about that this morning. Um, we're going to talk about um, John chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles on your phone or any other form today. Um, the woman at the well where Jesus come and spoke to this lady and he had an encounter. But what I want to focus on this morning, well, she had an encounter with him, he had an encounter with her, um, but how it impacted her. And particularly the phrase where she, now this was a lady who was ostracized from her community. We know that because she was going to draw water at 6 o'clock in the day, which in those days, the way that it worked, it was the middle of the day. It was hot. And so all the women, like in the in-group, the in-crowd, went and got their water at six, at, not six, early in the morning when it was cool, right? So the very fact she was there at lunchtime when it was hot meant she was ostracized. She, but after meeting Jesus, you know what she did? She ran back and said, come see. She didn't care anymore about all the people that rejected her and judged her. She said, come see a man. That changed my life. And so I want us to get the excitement. I love it. Um, what's the phrase of that song? That's why they won't let me in the worship team because I can't remember the lyrics. I can sing all right. Um, that's it. See, Nate knows. He knows. For the sake of the world. For the sake of the world. Just if you've forgotten. It's not about you. (laughs) It's not about me. For the sake of the world. We have a world out there, if you haven't noticed lately, that's really screwed up. Just got to watch the news. I can't even finish the news most nights. I either fall asleep or go to bed. It's too distressing. For the sake of the world. What's the next line? Burn like a fire in me. I'm hoping we get some fire today. You want some fire today? Because without the fire, nothing changes, friends. We just get all religious and boring. You know? I want to sit there and pick your nose. Because that's about how exciting it is without the fire. So let's get some fire for the sake of the world. Burn like a fire in me. So there's some handouts, and I'm being tough on you today because you need to write more than three words on your blank. All right? So if you struggle with that, get your neighbour to help you. We invite people to come and see Jesus because he has changed our lives. Who's had their life changed by Jesus? Hey, that's not a bad testimony, hey? 
If you haven't, it can happen today. That's exciting. So this is talking about the woman, right? Leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Man, that'll freak you out, won't it? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. She realized and she said, here, you see her say it. She's getting the revelation. Could this be the Christ? I'm not even sure she's fully saved yet. And she starts evangelizing. How cool is that? Come see a man. Could this be him? Could this be the saviour of the world? She was expecting someone. She knew enough to know that the Messiah was coming. But it didn't change her life. Knowing a Messiah is coming doesn't change your life. But meeting the Messiah changes your life. Hey, come see a man. Here Here was a lady whose life was profoundly impacted. By encounter with Jesus, her life before Christ was one of loneliness and a desperate search for love. How do we know? Well, I told you before. Jesus soon found out that she'd been married. Jesus soon finally knew word of knowledge and was now living with another man. So, you know, that's how he connected with her. Just being honest and engaging honestly, but non-judgmentally. After meeting Jesus, her shame and inhibitions left. She ran back to town, forgetting her water jar. The reason she went out there in the first place. And couldn't help, couldn't help but announce to anyone she found about the man she just met. I love this verse. And because um, I was a shy kid, struggled with fear, um, a mate of mine spoke this over me when I was probably 27. I've never forgot it, right? It says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues. Today they call it paranoia. The wicked man, wicked just means you don't know God, okay? Sorry about the language in the Bible, but that's just how it is. Though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Could you get your boldness on today? Hey? The righteous are as bold, the people that know Jesus are as bold as a lion. You ever seen a lion? They just, they're just okay with themselves. You know what I love about Jesus? He helps you to be okay with yourself. How good is it when you're okay with yourself? When you're comfortable with your strengths and you accept your weaknesses because you know God loves you anyway. And just go, I'm okay. Because God said I'm okay. I don't have to feel okay. It's about coming into agreement with his word. He says I'm okay. Because I'm in relationship with him. Actually, even before I'm in relationship with him, he says I'm valuable. And loved, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. If I wasn't valued by God and loved by God, Jesus never would have came. But then when I get into relationship with him, you know, we should, if you've got faith in Jesus, we should be the most secure people on the planet. Because the dad says, I'm okay. Then I'm okay. Even with all my lumps and bumps. This woman had a transformation that day. She goes, oh, I'm actually okay. Our life was a mess. But because Jesus, face-to-face, connected with her. A friend of mine grew up in country Victoria. He left home with a few hundred dollars and a six-pack of stubbies in his search for life. You've got to picture this, right? A valiant. He was driving a valiant. He's living in Victoria. Things were a mess. Had a six-pack of stubbies and about 300 bucks. And he goes, I'm out of here. Drives a valiant north. Had no idea where he was going. Right? Runs out of money, fuel, and probably stubbies probably before he got to the Gold Coast, but he got as far as the Gold Coast, right? 
had nothing. Probably sold the Valiant, I'm not sure of that part of the story. Ended up in a Salvation Army men's homeless hostel. And a man by the name of Envoy Alan Kerr kept inviting him to chapel. And just to shut Alan up, this guy went along to chapel. And of course, when you come to chapel the first time, you sit out in the back row because you hope you can sneak in and sneak out with anyone noticing you. And just near the end of the service, when the guy gave the appeal to give your heart to Jesus, he started to get emotional. He hadn't been emotional his whole life. Thought he was having a nervous breakdown, ran out, ran up the street, bawling his eyes out. Next week, he gave his heart to Jesus. After meeting Jesus, sorry, since those years, oh, sorry, straight after that, this is when I first come to know this guy, he started roaming the streets of the Gold Coast telling people about Jesus, handing out tracts, leading people to Jesus, streets of the Gold Coast, Friday, Saturday night. Since those years, he's been a youth pastor, a men's ministry pastor. He's worked um, what used to be Miracle Haven and then Duralong as a program director. And now he's running the Salvation Army with his wife at East Lakes at Belmont. His name's Bernie Mundell. I wonder how many people would have missed out on hearing about Jesus or had their lives changed if Alan Kerr never persisted in inviting Bernie Mundell to chapel. Secondly, we invite people to come and see Jesus because we know there's people ready to accept Jesus now. And this is a funny verse in this passage, right? Where does it fit in here? Jesus said, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. There's a word for someone today. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Four months and then the harvest was probably a proverb used in Jesus' day. The sower would sow seed and then wait four months and then begin the harvest. But Jesus contrasted the physical harvest with the spiritual harvest. The spiritual harvest is always ready, friends. You know why? Because people have always been sowing. People were sowing last week, sowing the word, sowing love, sowing care, sowing last week, last month, last year. So there's people right ready right now to give their hearts to Jesus. And that's been my experience when I've had the privilege of leading people to Jesus. I've usually been surprised. Isn't that disappointing? Shows how undiscerning I really am. And I remember on a Sunday morning here, and I've got permission to use this story. Um, Kelly had been coming to church for a number of years, oh, for a number of weeks, months, not long. And I didn't know whether she was a Christian or not, but she wanted prayer that morning, and she asked for prayer around anxiety because something was going on that week that she had to face. And just in the middle of nowhere. I just said, oh, have you given your heart to Jesus? She says, oh, no. I said, would you like to do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she gave her heart to Jesus, right? How cool is that? And has not looked back since. The timing couldn't have been worse from a rational point of view because just before COVID and church shut down. Not so worried about Kelly's journey. And honor to you, Kelly. She just learned something from God, puts into practice, grows. Learn something from God, puts into practice, grows. If you want to grow in Jesus, learn something from God, put it into practice, and you'll grow. The reason we're not growing is we don't put the last thing he told us into practice. So just watch Kelly and learn and we'll grow. Easy. Can be easy. Why do we make it hard? Because we're stubborn. Love answering my own questions. Have you noticed? 
We should never assume that someone is not ready to accept Jesus. I do that all the time. Oh, they're not ready. Not ready. I don't want to offend them. They're not ready. We should never assume that someone's not ready. We need to be sensitive to what people say and how they respond. And I'll go another step. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one often that prompts us to ask these questions. Would you like to give your heart to Jesus? At least we need to be always looking for opportunities to invite people to church, into fellowship, to speak openly about our faith. But we never know who might be ready today. Thirdly, we invite people to come and see Jesus because our testimony is powerful. We experienced that this morning, didn't we? That's why we have a sharing time. Many of the Samaritans from that town, verse 39, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Hey? Don't ever underestimate your testimony. One of the most easiest and powerful ways to ignite people to come and see Jesus is to share our testimony. We read many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Just checking if Eden's in the room. Um, we're trying to get Eden to the orthodontist at the moment. And she just needs two teeth taken out. And a normal dentist, right, um, has stuffed me around like there's no tomorrow. I don't like that very much. You just got to take two teeth out. How hard is that? I have a referral. <laughs> just take the teeth out. So what did I do on Wednesday when I finally found out someone had got sick? They cancelled the appointment I did have, and that was just for a checkup because he wanted to do a checkup before he took the teeth out. I don't cope with, you can tell, can't you? What am I learning? I'll tell you what I'm learning. I rang the orthodontist and said, do you know that dentist you referred me to the other year? Can I get his number again? And I rang the other dentist. And they got it booked in for tomorrow to get their teeth out. <laughs> sometimes you've got to wait and sometimes you've got to pass them. Right? But the point of the story is, the testimony, I trust. This is really interesting, right? When Kate was getting her braces, we got this referral to go to an orthodontist that cost something like $8,000. And what? What are you talking about? So Melissa rings her sister and says, ah. Oh, like, does it matter whether you pay six grand or eight grand for braces? No. They're braces, aren't they? Don't they all work? So it's a place that did like two, at least $2,000 cheaper, right? And they've been amazing. They're lovely. They're warm. They give discounts. They let you pay stuff off. They're amazing, right? So I trust them. So when I needed a dentist, who did I ring? Someone in the industry that knows dentists. The word of the testimony, right? So the testimony of my orthodontist, I trusted them to go and find a dentist that worked. Does that make sense? So when we build a relationship with people and they trust us and we share our testimony, they're probably going to believe it. That's the importance of sharing, I believe, building a relationship. I mean, you can share your testimony without relationship. God can do that. But I think when we build a relationship with people, they've learned to trust us. They see we're not loopy. We're normal people. Our feet are on the ground, you know. And then we say, hey, I know Jesus. Like, really? Yeah, he's changed my life. Really? They're probably going to believe us. So don't underestimate the power of your testimony.
Fourthly, we invite people to come and see Jesus because people need to experience him for themselves. You can't have a relationship with Jesus through me. That would just be weird. John 4.42, they said to the woman, No longer do we believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. How good is that? We know. We have heard for... Why do we invite people to, G- to church? So they can find out for themselves. Why do we share our faith so people can find out for us? Why do we give out tracts or Bibles or whatever so people can find out for themselves? Can I just share this? Over the years... I've noticed that sometimes people connect to church for relationship. That's a great first step. But sometimes they never go beyond that. If you're just coming to church for a relationship with people, sooner or later you get tired of that and you'll stop coming or you'll go to another church or you do something. But if you're actually looking for Jesus, then everything changes. You still get the relationship with people. But I tell you what, you have a relationship with God that changes everything you do, including your experience at church. Finally, we see that people of town encounter Jesus for themselves. We all need to have a personal encounter with Jesus. It's great to share our testimony with others, but to have a relationship with Jesus, we need to meet him. Therefore, we do what we can to give people the opportunity to meet Jesus. Um, I know Val's been giving out flyers for next week at Craft. I know they, I think they've finally got some for the shop. Marty's so like me. Don't you love blokes? I was like, don't let me forget to take the flyers to the shop. And I found the flyers on the floor of my office on Friday morning. And I said to Tegan, mate, he's such a bloke. That's exactly what I would do. Hey? So good. So we're giving out flyers through the shop this Friday, uh, this week, I mean. Take some flyers from his, and just pray. You know, what I want us to do is, where do I want to send a flyer? Because God's up to stuff. He's bringing people here because he knows that his word is shared, that people are going to share the love of Jesus. They're going to share the truth of Jesus. And people are going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. So that's why we do flyers, that's why we do Christianity Explained, that's why we invite people to craft or to the family store or to other places so they can meet Jesus. Because sometimes it takes a while to meet Jesus. You need to be connected for a while before you meet him. Other people meet him pretty quickly. But the idea is that we invite people. Jesus doesn't need much opportunity. If we can get people to give him some consideration, I believe he touches their hearts and their lives will never be the same. Hudson Taylor, you may have heard the name Hudson Taylor, was a great missionary um, who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to China. Did a wonderful work for God. We know that now in China there are millions and millions of Christians owing much to the faithful witness of that first missionary, Dr. James Hudson Taylor. But before he went to China, he was a young doctor. And when he was, he used to go around different homes in those days, well, I'm talking about you know, years and years and years ago, when doctors used to do home visits um, without charging you extra. That's just what they did. He used to attend to the sick. And in one of these houses, there was a very sick man who was, um, didn't know Jesus. And he had no time for God. And so Hudson Taylor used to do this. He would come in and the man would be living, lying in his bed and Dr. Taylor would give the due medical attention. He did these kinds of things. 
um, putting various bandages on, washing him. Doctors don't do that today, either, do they? Attending to him and giving him medicine. Every time when he finished the medical side of his work, Dr. Taylor would say to this man, Now, he said, My dear friend, I want to say a few words to you about Jesus Christ. He came, that he came into this world to save sinners and he will save you if you will believe in him. And every time this man would turn his face to the wall, he wouldn't listen. He set his face as though it was made of cement. A hard, hard expression against the good news of Jesus. Dr. Taylor came regularly to see this man week after week or month after month. And every time when he had done his medical work, he would attend to this man. And then he would say, now, just a little word about my Lord Jesus Christ who died for sins. The man would turn his face away. He wouldn't listen. One day when Dr. Taylor came in, his heart of hearts said something that we all at times feel. He said to himself, what's the use a waste of breath. You ever said that? On this particular day, he gave him the medicine, tended to his body, put his instruments in his case, and without a word, lifted his bag and walked towards the door. The man turned to him, he said, are you not going to say something to me? He was listening. Dr. Taylor came running back with tears in his eyes. Man, he said, I must tell you, Christ came to save your soul. He has now listened. Hudson led him to the Lord. Weeks and weeks and months and months. And just as he was giving up sharing the gospel, this guy gave his heart to Jesus. I just want to encourage his friends, don't give up. Sometimes I know some of us, I know myself, been praying for people for 20, 30 years. And like Marty was <laughs> saying this morning, God, what are you doing? Well, God's always working. And he often has a part for us to play. I, I just think that's so exciting. Hey, what part has God got you to play this week in bringing someone else to freedom? Having someone else connect with Jesus. And you know, it's not about us. I've had people thank me for stuff, impacts I've had in their life, and I had no idea. And actually wasn't really a good example of Jesus at the time either. So God can just use us in amazing ways. Um, trust him. To be able to use you, hey? So what I want us to do um, is probably just spend some time praying. Can we just come and do the, you know, that little phrase that I can't remember and it's really good and I think that's what God wants to write in our hearts this morning. And as, I, even if it's just Nate with his guitar, is that all right? Does that work or do you want the band? You do whatever you want, Nate. Um, what I want us to do is allow God to put pictures, actually to move our hearts. That's better, isn't it? It's better when God, God can mess with your head, but it's really better when he messes with your heart. Um, because then we usually do something, don't we? If God messes with our hearts. And um, So what I want you to do in this time as we just sing this chorus over and over again, is um, let God move your heart towards him if he hasn't already. Um, if you don't know Jesus, tell you what, you want to know him. You don't have to know him. But it's like access to the bank, you know. It's like access to the kitchen of the restaurant. It's like, it's like access to all the good stuff. And there's hard stuff too. I don't want to paint 
a rosy garden picture. Okay? Um, obedience is hard, isn't it? <laughs> God tell you to do stuff. You go, I don't want to do that. You know? God says, I want you to do that. Tom Hudson Taylor to go to China. I'm sure he didn't want to go to China. So maybe this morning you need to give your heart to Jesus. It's as simple as this. Dear Lord Jesus, show me who you are. Please come and be my Lord and Saviour. Forgive me for trying to run my life my own way. I submit my life to you, knowing that you are the author of creation and you can run my life better than I can. Forgive me for my independence. Help me to trust you. Now, someone gave their heart to Jesus about 10 years ago here, praying the Scouts prayer, because that's the only prayer they knew. You know, it doesn't matter what words you pray. What it matters is your heart's open to God. Say, like, God, come and I want to meet you. These people reckon you're pretty good. I'd like to meet you. If you're that good, I'd like to meet you. Show me who you are, how good you are. Um, if you already know Jesus this morning, allow God to move your heart towards some people who are probably already in your life and might need an invitation to church. Do you know the reason we invited Gary Raymond next week is he's an evangelist. He's the kind of guy that is a policeman who would be in the rescue crew and he'd talk people out of suicide who are about to jump off a ledge, right? And then later on when they weren't looking, he'd introduce them to Jesus and they'd get saved. He wasn't just a policeman. He was a policeman that God, he was an evangelist who God used through being a policeman to lead people to Jesus. And so I'm really excited about him coming next week. And so if you've got people who don't know Jesus, you know what happens when the gift of evangelism manifests? That whatever Gary does next week, people will get saved because it's a gift. Okay? And God will use him to introduce people to Jesus next week. So if you've got some friends or family or people you know could do with knowing Jesus, just get them in the room and God and Gary will do the rest. Does that make sense? I'm going to pray. I need to stop talking and we need to start listening to God and let him put people in our hearts. And maybe you need to lead someone to Jesus before next Sunday. Lord God, we thank you that you are faithful to you to do your part, to reveal yourself like you did to the woman at the well, like you did to the women that lived in that, to the people that lived in that town. And you're faithful to reveal yourself. You've, you've revealed yourself to us and to reveal yourself to, to people, to show them who you are, that you're good and you're kind and you're loving and you're God and you're powerful. You can change our lives. You can change the world for the better. So Lord, Speak to us this morning. Give us ears to hear your spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning.